All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. I'm a little distracted because Tim can't stop burping. <laughs> it's 11.14 Eastern Standard Time. Why are you burping so much? I don't burp unless I drink a carbonated beverage. What is going on? There's been four good rips here in the last five minutes. What's going on in your life? Three... And I don't know. Sometimes I burp. Sometimes you burp, too. Everyone burps, John. I don't. The only time I do it is if I drink a pop, and I don't drink pop very much. So I don't. So I just... It's it's unbelievable. It's rude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's wild stuff. I, I'm just blown... I, I don't... I'm not around burpers. Anyways, thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate the support. We've been gone a little bit. We uh, took last week off. We did a Monday, then we just decided... Thanksgiving. Let's have a little break. I went to Chicago, so I was kind of persona non grata. I don't know what that means. But I was gone. You were incommunicado. That's right. That's right. I don't know what that means either. But we're back, and we're we're, we're excited to be back. Tim, how was your break? What did you get up to? It was good. I went out to Asheville for Thanksgiving, which is like two hours west up in the mountains of North Carolina. Very beautiful. Very cool. Great little town. Kind of like Traverse City. A lot of just like cool downtown, a lot of shopping, a lot of breweries, some hiking, things like that. It was nice. Yeah, it was good. How was yours? How did the kids do with that? that When you're burying the bodies, is it easier to do it in the woods in Asheville rather than like in a city area? There's less eyes probably watching you. Fewer eyes. And no, I don't. I don't. A good joke, though. That was that was that was funny. Good job. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Because you lead a very serial killer lifestyle. <laughs> How so? I burp a lot. Well, you just, you burp. You're always going on these trips by yourself to random cities. And you just, you, you really don't have any rhyme or reason for going anywhere. You just dump bodies. I don't, it's just very uh, serial killer-ish. Right? Are you by yourself if you have your dog? Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. <I was> Chicago, <laughs> definition. <laughs> Chicago was great. We we drove in. I took the kids. I took Grandma. She was a last minute addition, which I I didn't really didn't really expect. But she was nice. She sat right behind me and t- entertained the kids the whole time. And my wife was 
He was there too. Um, it was fun. <laughs> that sounded terrible, but no, it was a good time. We did a couple games. Great game. The, the second game, I think it was. They played the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm just looking at the schedule. Yeah, the first game they played Columbus and got shellacked. Like, absolutely awful. The second game after Thanksgiving, they played Toronto. One of the most exciting games I've ever watched. Very exciting. Goes to overtime. Kevin Korchinski gets the game winner off a deflection by Connor Bedard. He picks up the game winner. Fantastic game. Really, really tough look for Toronto. They had no business losing this game Toronto because Corey Perry was out. Taylor Hall was out. The, the Hawks are decimated. It's just, it's a really bad team. And all you have to do is just play okay. Nylander, his first game without a point. Austin Matthews looked lost. Ryan Reeves picks up his first goal for Pete's sake. But it was just a, a good effort by Chicago. But it was a lot of fun. I did, I did a couple games. We did Thanksgiving. It was a lot of fun. It was, Everyone, it was nice to get home, though. We all want to know, did the Cracker Barrel come through with the food? Oh, man, Tim. I didn't want to bring it up because I don't want to sound like a cheapskate, but apparently I did before I left. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. We picked it up in Traverse City. A lot of food. Like, a lot of food. It was a... Hey, you know what I was looking looking at? I, I was watching some of our social stuff and looking at the comments, because I do. I like that. People are agreeing with you on the Matt Cook statement. A lot of positive feedback saying, don't let this guy on your show. He's He's a... He's a dirtbag, basically. Nobody likes him. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't anticipate the strong reaction people have to Matt Cook. I just, oh, because I played, I don't, I think, realize the investment people have in teams and players that strong, that, that, that strong connection you had to Mark Savard and the Bruins and just the hatred for Matt Cook. It's real. Yeah, it is. And I saw those comments, too, and I was glad because usually it's it's I don't know. They usually respond when they disagree with you about something or uh, or agree with you. So it's nice to see people agreeing with me and saying, yeah, Matt Cook doesn't belong on the show. We don't give him a platform. And so I stand by it. I stand by it. There's a few guys, like I said, that, that I would put on that list. And he's definitely near the top of it, if not at the top. Change my mind. He's not going to be on the show. I completely um, am doing a 180. So sorry, Matt. He's a big fan of the show. He listens quite often. But he will not be on the show. All right, moving on. I will put a bow on the Chicago trip. It was a great trip. We had a nice drive there and back. I will say there was a downside to the trip, Tim. We had to leave the chickens unmanned. And it was tricky. Because they stay in the back of a car. And they, they roam during the day. And we, we just let them rip around. And then they get back in the car at night. And we close the back hatch. And that's it. There was no one there to take care of the chickens. So we had to decide, what do we do? Do we lock them in the car for four days? When you say or do car, we just let them... what are you talking about? We have a Saturn view that we cut a hole in the back of. And I took out the back seats and we put hay down and they just live in the car. That was a makeshift chicken coop. Okay. Okay. And All then right, we just continue. cut a hole... With the hole in the back, we we made a ramp. And I should say we, my friend Todd Maxson, did it all. I didn't do any of this. He just showed up one day with this car and said, here's your chicken coop. Anyways, so we left them. And we get back. And usually they're roaming around the property when, when we get back from whatever our day. Didn't see anybody. We pull into our parking spot in our driveway. We saw one chicken. I'm like, okay. So at least they didn't, you know, we got one. 
and the girls go running over to the chicken coop. I'm unpacking, getting the, the baby and the toddler out of the car. And then one of my daughters comes in, just waterworks. Oh, gosh, what happened? She goes, Marty's dead. Marty was one of the roosters. Feathers everywhere, can't find the body. I'm like, well, maybe he's just around. And he got into a fight defending the, the hens. Ten, five minutes goes by. Everybody comes in. More waterworks. Lulu's dead. A hen is dead. Visibly dead. The body's in the, in the hen. The run. Bite marks. Dead. So two, two of the one chicken and one rooster got killed of the six. So now we're down to four. We're down to three hens and one rooster. The kids were very distraught. But they moved on quick. You know, it, it was a very <laughs> couple minutes and then they're, they're back in action. I said we'd buy some more hens and chicks and we'd, you know, do the whole shebang next spring. But yeah, something got them, Tim. And they didn't get... Here's the thing. Then you start trying to figure out how this happened. The hen was outside. The rooster, we didn't find the body. Just feathers everywhere. It's like, what happened? I don't have a trail cam. I don't know what happens. Usually if it was a ferret or a weasel, they would kill everything. If it was a fox, it would kill everything. So that kind of rules out those two animals. Could have been a bobcat. It could have been... Like a raccoon, but raccoons typically wouldn't go after those animals. I think it was a bobcat, but I, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of unanswered questions. And it's just funny. The girls each had their own bird. So like, this is mine. This is mine. The two that drop down, they're still distraught. And my younger kids just still bring it up constantly. It's like, Marty's dead. And then we talk about it. And then the girls get upset again. But it was funny. But yeah, very uh, traumatizing event. So, so are they in like a caged in area or are they like, could have th- something, something just jump over a little wall to get to them? Well, here's the issue. Yeah. They're in a, a caged in area, fenced in area, but the girls left it open a little bit. And so I think someone got in, but then they didn't go in the car. Like I, if I was an animal, I go right up that car in this clean house. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about those predators, but clearly it just wanted enough to eat and then, and left or took it with them. But you it know? didn't, it didn't eat the chicken. Which was the meaty chicken. I'd rather have a chicken than a, a rooster. Chickens are bad. Good point. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> anyway, so it could kind of put a downer on the trip to come back. Because the whole trip, I was just prompting. I said they could all be dead. But I didn't think they would be. They were dead. Was it Marty and Lulu? Yep. Rest in peace. Dead. Dead. All right, moving on. Um, we haven't uh, done an episode in a while. It's Thanksgiving. What does everybody say, Tim, about Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is the time where t- you figure out where the teams are, and the stats are something like 75% of teams that are in a playoff spot at Thanksgiving end up making the playoffs uh, when the season's over. So it's a good time of the year to kind of check in and see how the teams are doing and what their chances are to, to make the playoffs. <clears throat> so as it stands today, in the Eastern Conference, if the playoffs were to start today, Bruins, Panthers, Red Wings in the Atlantic, Rangers, Hurricanes, Flyers in the Metro, wildcard teams are Lightning in the Leafs. That's the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, in the Central, Avalanche, Stars, Jets, Pacific, Knights, Kings, Canucks, Wildcard, Blues, Kraken. Those are your 16 teams who will compete for the Stanley Cup if it started today. That being said, 75% of these teams will make it. That means what? What's 75 and 100? 25% of these teams will not make it into the playoffs. Out of those teams, Tim, 
Who were the biggest surprises do you see getting in that you were you're shocked? You're like, wow, why are these teams in here? Yeah, a few teams here um, that I was surprised. I'll start from the very top, the Red Wings, obviously. I don't think many people had them being as competitive as they were. I think a lot you of it is... You don't think so? Not, not, as, not this good. I mean, they're ahead of the Lightning in the, in the Maple Leafs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone yeah. predicted that. So, But they went um, out, they get to Brinkett, they have, you know, they, they re-sign some guys. You know, you, you think they're... Uh, a big, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm surprised they're in there as well. But I'm just surprised you think that this is a surprise. I thought well, you were a big Red Wing guy. The, uh, the Iser plan was, had failed. Oh, I still think it has. But I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you think that they're a surprise. I am. I think they're a surprise for a lot of reasons. But a lot of them, the fact that they leapfrog the Senators and the Sabres, who we'll talk about in a second. But um, yeah, so they're a surprise for me. The Flyers are maybe the biggest surprise of all. Um, 11, 9, and 1, which isn't like a crazy good good record, but it's good enough for third in the Metro right now. Um, for a team that was as bad as they were last year, I don't think a lot of us expected a ton from them this year and go out and have a winning record at this point in the season. is pretty good for them. Um, what are the good surprises? Obviously, I would say the Jets are a little bit of a surprise. I, I didn't expect them to be horrible. I would have thought they were a wild card team. So for them to be 12, 6, and 2 is definitely a surprise for me. We know they they were good on paper. We know they had Hellebuck, Shifley, Josh Morrissey, Kyle Connor leads the league in goals. So I, I felt like on paper they were good. I didn't think they would you know plan out this way. So that's a surprise for sure. The Canucks are the last one that I'll say is a huge surprise. Um, again, a team that we thought had the potential, hadn't lived up to it for the last three years. So the fact that they're doing it um, is really exciting. But I don't know that a lot of people saw it coming. Yeah, the, the team here, that's it's the Philadelphia Flyers, because coming into this season, yeah. they were coming off of <clears throat> one of the worst seasons in Flyers history. There was drama. There was healthy scratches. They got rid of Delangelo. They got rid of JVR. They got rid of a lot of high-end guys. The GM, Danny Breer, pretty much said, I think he actually did say, he says, everybody's available. This team is a... Open market for everybody. Sean Couturier was coming back from an injury again. Everybody had to go. And all of a sudden, they're playing some pretty good hockey. And they're not beating teams 4-1, to 5-3. to three. They're not outscoring teams by a crazy amount. They're playing typical John Tortorella hockey. Everybody's pulling the rope. Everybody's playing around 12 to 14 minutes. He's not... You know, relying on one or two guys, there's there's no superstars on this team by any means. I think their leading scorer is Travis Sanheim, for Pete's sake, and he's a defenseman. And he's only got 16 points, two goals, 14 assists. This team has no business winning, Tim. I, I, I think this strictly is John Tortorella. For as much flack as he gets, for as much heat as he gets for his interviews and his prickly persona... This guy knows how to coach a hockey team. He really does. When you look at this roster, they have no business competing in this league. They they really don't. They're just they're willing themselves to victory. I haven't paid I'll be honest, I haven't paid much attention to the Philadelphia Flyers. I thought they were just going to be a rollover from last year, same old same old. I did I did predict they would be ahead of the Capitals. And Islanders, just because of John Tortorella. You, I think you, and I don't want to throw throw you under the bus, but didn't you have them really low, bottom three of the league, didn't when we did our predictions? I'm pretty sure, yeah. They were down there. You can't do it with Tortorella. I just feel like he's too good. I think they will. 
start to drop a little bit, but man, do you, can this continue? And like we said, the Metro may be not as strong as we once thought. The Penguins aren't playing that great. The Devils, with all their injuries, who knows what's going to happen with them. The Islanders, everybody knew they were going to be bad, but they're they're right around where we they should be. But all of a sudden, this Metro division looks like there's a spot up for grabs in that third slot. The Hurricane, the Rangers, obviously have one and two locked up. Though They're going to run away with the division, those two teams. Capitals are there. The Flyers are there. The Penguins maybe get their act together. Are we just downselling the Devils, or is this really is this third seed up for grabs, Tim? Because we thought those three teams were going to run away with the Rangers, Hurricanes, and Devils. It is up for grabs, and I think there's a little bit of a, of a mirage here because the Flyers have played 21 games; they have 23 points. Right below them are the Capitals with 22 points, and have played only 17 games. That's four fewer games with one fewer point. So the Capitals have really been the better team. Um, so it's kind of a it's a little bit of a of a skewed image there. The Capitals are probably maybe among the top three or four biggest surprises of the season. Ten five and two. We talked about it last week. Not getting a ton of scoring, but they're beating the teams they need to beat, and they're not doing it the way they've done it in the past, which is with Ovechkin and 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 Kuznetsov and Backstrom. They're kind of doing it up and down the lineup, and they're getting really good goaltending. We're gonna have to spend some time this week or soon talking about their goaltending tandem. The two young kids. Uh, Lane Grant, another guy, like they're just playing so, so well and they're just surprising everyone. The Capitals are like, in, in the month of November, are like first in goals for, first in goals against, like something crazy like that. So I feel like they're still a better team than the Flyers. Um, and then I would even put the Penguins as a, as a chance to get back into the playoff rush. But right now, as it stands, the Flyers do have more points than both of those teams. So I think it, it, just, well, it definitely won't last. Yeah, let's look at the the bad surprises, the good surprises we get in the Eastern Conference. The Flyers are great. The Wings are great. That's fun. And everybody loves talking about good stories. Who needs to pick it up? Obviously, we just mentioned the Devils. They've had some injury issues with Jack Hughes being out, Nico Hirscher being out. So maybe we give them a pass for a few more weeks until we start pushing that panic button. They've gotten some good play from Tyler Toffoli. He's been a really, really big addition for them. Timo Meyer still is garbage. I don't know what's going on with him. He he looks like a million bucks when you watch him play. He just can't produce. I don't I don't know what his deal is. He's got the 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 ickies or what do they call it the the jibby jabbies. I don't know. He just he he ain't putting the puck in the net. So it hasn't worked out with his big signing this offseason. So can we give the Devils a pass, Tim, for a few more weeks until they get everybody healthy? I know Jack Hughes is back. They're still struggling. They're three seven in their last ten. But is it okay to give them a pass? Are you worried about the Devils? I'm definitely worried about him, but yeah, I'm hoping that the injury thing is is the main cog there. They are still are they're getting some goaltending that um isn't where it needs to be, but I think they're they're too talented not to write the shift. So I'm not totally pressing the panic button yet. All right. Sabres, Penguins, Senators. Which one is done? Yeah, man, it's weird to say because the Senators have a better um point percentage than Buffalo, even though they're four points behind because they played five fewer games, which is a weird schedule. And that's a big difference this early on in the season. I don't know well, how they that... went to Sweden. Yeah. And so there's, there's that leg where they gave them that week and a bit to kind of go there, get acclimated, play two games. And then they came back. So they'll catch up. But yeah, that's why they don't have many games played. The wild don't have many games played. Those teams need to catch up a little bit. So they're eight and eight. They're not getting the production that they need. I'm pressing the panic button for them. I mean, they're they're second to last in the Eastern Conference. Only the um, Columbus Blue Jackets have a, they have the same amount of points, but they played twenty two games. 
So I think they're definitely in, in the panic mode. And I think probably the Sabres are too. The Sabres just, they're not getting goals from Cage Thompson and Alex Tuck, which they relied on last year. Darlene looks good, but like a lot of the other players, Jeff Skinner doesn't look like himself as, as last year. The goal thing, goaltending isn't as good as it was last year. And I think that was a, a team that most of us thought were ready to take another step. And they fooled us yet again. They're not there yet. So I think those are the two teams I'm worried about. Penguins, not so much. They are a 500 team. I just think they're going to right the ship. They're the only one in this group that has a positive goal differential among all the other teams uh, right behind them and right below them. So I feel like I'm I'm ready for them to to right the ship and, and get back in the wing column. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you with the Sabres. I, th- I think they're done. I really do. Out of these three teams, if I were to stick a fork in one, and this pains me to say, because I'm a Buffalo guy, I want them to succeed. If I were to count one team out right now, it, it's the Buffalo Sabres. They they haven't they haven't given you anything to be optimistic about this season. They have a good game. They have two bad games. They beat a team they should beat. Then they lose. They lose a heartbreaker to a team they they have no business losing to. They beat the Penguins, they come back, they're down two rip, they have a big win, three to two. You think they're gonna follow that up with a good game versus the New Jersey Devils? They lose seven to two. And this has been an ongoing problem this whole season. It's just win one, lose one, win one, lose two. They they can't find any consistency. There's no jam in their game. There's issues up and down the lineup. Scores aren't scoring, the checkers aren't checking, the defense is suspect. It hasn't been a great season for them. And I don't see them playing their way out of it. I really don't. It's unfortunate because everybody thought they were going to take that next step this year. They haven't done it. And I I just don't see it, Tim. I I really don't. They didn't invest in a goaltender this offseason. It's showing they were going to rely heavily on Tage Thompson, like you said. Obviously, that's not panning out. Alex Tuck is slowly starting to come around. It's, It's not great. Unfortunately, they're done. I really believe they're done. They're, they're, they're the one team that's just not going to come out of this. The Penguins, I feel, will right the ship. They've been playing around 500 hockey the whole season. That loss to the Sabres we just mentioned was a big one. I, I'm not as nervous about them. I think the Devils will right the ship. But yeah, I, I just... It's too bad because you have such high expectations for this team. Every single year. What have we said? This is the Sabres year. We like what they did in the offseason. They're drafting smartly. They're not signing guys in the offseason to albatross contracts and rushing things. This was a year they had breakout years last year. Rosmus Delinge finally showed up. Tate Thompson showed up. He's a superstar. And it just hasn't come to fruition. Where are these guys, Tim? What's going on? Why is Rasmus Dahlin not taking the next step? Yeah, he's got 17 points. That's good. Be better. You know what I mean? Like, what... Alex Tuck, you got 14 and 18. Like, let's, I don't know. Maybe I was a little too optimistic about this team. Maybe we're still a few years off. You have, obviously, the the studs on the back end. You got Owen Power. You got Yoki Hari. You got Darlene. Those, it's a good core to build around. Maybe the forwards aren't all that they were cracked up to be. Well, I remember talking about Tage Thompson and, and asking you over the summer, like, is that his new standard? Has he finally arrived or was, or was last year? Because last year was an outlier. Um, yeah. and, and we kind of said, was he this who he is now or might he regress back to the mean? And you said he was going to be this is who he is. He needs to be a 40 goal, 100 point guy, 90 point guy. And he's just not. And so I don't know if it's a confidence thing, if he's nursing an injury we don't know about, if it's just the whole team's not gelling. But something's not right with this guy, with this group. 
Yeah, well, the year before he had 38, so it wasn't like just out of nowhere he scored 47, so he was progressively getting better. But yeah, the last two years, he just shot out of a can. He he just arrived on the NHL scene, or maybe a little more of an opportunity. He went from only playing 12 to 13 minutes a game. The last two years, he's getting 17, 18, 19 minutes a game. So maybe teams are keying on him a little bit. Maybe they, they've seen his game and they like, we got to stop this guy. He is a threat, so let's, let's mark him a little bit closer than we were before. I don't know. Maybe he was reading the press clippings. Maybe he was enjoying his contract a little too much this offseason. Maybe put a little more work. Who knows? But he's got six goals, Tim. It ain't going to cut it for him, and it definitely is not going to cut it for the Buffalo Sabres. They're done. I'm, they're done. They're six in the Atlantic. There's, they're done. All right, moving on. In the West, the teams that are in right now, it's fun. The Kraken are in. You got the Winnipeg Jets are in. The Vancouver Canucks are in. Life is good for those teams. Which one of those teams do you think is the biggest surprise in the West? Because it's tough because the West is just, it's always a toss-up. I always make fun of the Pacific Division, but rightfully so. They're a bad division. And then in the Central, it's the same kind of thing. Last year, the Central ended up being the worst division in hockey. And there's a very big talent discrepancy between the top three or four teams in that division and the bottom four teams. It's, It's a pretty wide gap there. Is there any surprises of these eight teams, team Tim, that you're just like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Um, I mentioned the Canucks already. I mentioned, I would say, the um, the Jets already. I think we're, we're playing better than I thought. The other four are locks. We all thought the Stars, the Avalanche, the Knights, and the Kings would be the, the cream of the crop in the West. Um, I think the teams that, that are playing much worse than I expected, obviously the Oilers, we spent a lot of time on them. Um, they've won a couple of games in a row now, and McDavid had five points last night, reminding everyone that he's the best player in the world. So I'm hoping yeah. that they write the ship, they turn things around. But the team that's got me like really pressing the panic button is the Minnesota Wild. This is this is pretty bad. Two six and two in their last ten is not good enough. And they had a little bit of a tough schedule in November. The last handful of games they played the Wings, the Avalanche. They were playing over in Europe. They played Minnesota, um, uh, Toronto and, and Ottawa, Dallas. They played the Rangers twice in November. So a little bit of a tough schedule. So I guess I can give them a tiny little bit of leniency there. But we talked about it. Like They're just not getting enough production. They're not getting enough goal scoring. Joel Erickson Eck is, is the kind of the one guiding light when it comes to producing offense. He's got 10 goals. And you have Zuccarello and Kaprizov of 21 points, 18 points. You would think that's pretty good especially they considered they played 19 games each, but they've combined for 11 goals, which just isn't enough, especially Kaprizov. He needs to be your best player, and he's not done it. He's minus 10 on the year. He's playing below a point-per-game average, only six goals, which is on pace for something like 30. Like, that's that's not good. Maybe less. It's not good enough. Um, he's not, Yeah, I think it's less. So, yeah, they've got to... It's not good. The, the goaltending has not been good. Flurry hasn't been playing well. Gustafson hasn't been playing well. Both of them are above a three goals against and below a 900 save percentage. It's just, it's crazy. I don't know how they're, how they're so bad. And I don't think anyone expected I don't, that. I did. I, I, uh, they're a bad team. I don't know why you're, they're so bad. They have no business competing. I watched them play the other night. They played uh, the Colorado avalanche and it was just, they, they played really well. They were in there till the end, but they were are outmatched. They don't have the talent. They really don't. Kaprizov's been good, but he's pedestrian. Like he he makes some good moves here and there, but 
he's not the guy he was last year. I don't know what the dish issue is, but they're easy to mark. They they have one line that scores. They moved Ryan Hartman down. They got um, Rossi playing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov, and that's that's a sharp line. Other than that, the the cupboards are bare. Like it's just it's just a hard working team that has no talent. And friends of the show, you know Marcus Foligno, God bless him, but he's not a gifted goal scorer. I I, I am shocked that you're disappointed in their season. They are right where I think they should be. They are a bad hockey team. Like I said two weeks ago, everybody lambasted me because they won a game after that. If I'm an opposing team and I see the Wilder on my upcoming schedule, I go, okay. W. Easy win. Easy win. But John, don't that's you the think Minnesota they're, Wild. they're better than the third worst team in the league? Because that's where they are right now. They're not this bad. No. I don't... Well, I, I think they're better than the Sharks. They're better than the Hawks. They're better than the Blue Jackets. But that's it. They're a bad team, Tim. I think you're overvaluing them just based on the name, the Wild. They're always competitive. They're not. They're a bad team. We have to. We have to live in the present. We can't live in the past. You know what I mean? <laughs> Very deep. Appreciate that. A team who I I'm surprised is in a playoff position right now in the West is the St. Louis Blues. I think coming into this season. Everybody suggests, just expected them to continue to regress. They were, you know, they struggled last year. There was a lot of question marks. They made a lot of moves this offseason. But don't look now. They're third place in the Central. And everybody's producing. The defense is playing somewhat well. If, if they continue this, I would not want to play this team in the playoffs. They have a laundry list of playoff experience on this roster. You got Nick Letty. You got Tori Krug. You got Parenko. There's Stanley Cup champions on this team, Tim, for even from the 2018 team when they when they surprised everybody. But you got Saad, you got Jordan Cairo, you got Vrana, you got Shen. This is a dangerous team. I, I, I like what they've been doing. And the biggest surprise for me, and I, it pains me to say this, is Jordan Bennington. He's playing good hockey. He's keeping his nose clean. He's staying out of the scrums. It's which is like bizarre to say about a goalie, right? This is something you should never even have to worry about for a goal. He's staying out of the box. He's, he's staying out of the stuff after the whistle, but he's playing good hockey. You know, his numbers maybe don't translate that well, the wins, losses, but from what I've seen, he's tracking the puck. He's not giving up any egregious rebounds, which was an issue. He's not giving in the odd beach ball that was a problem last year for him. And he's, he's just staying composed, which is good. His numbers are fine. He's 909 save percentage, 289 goals against. It's good. In today's age, when goaltending is, is really tough to come by this year for some reason, but I like myself some St. Louis Blues. I do not want to play this team in the playoffs, Tim. I'm nervous. If I if I look at the Western Conference and I'm trying to jockey for position, if I'm if I'm the Knights or if I'm the, the Colorado Avalanche, I, I'm not liking my chances. In the wild card round, much like last year, the Avalanche lined up against the Kraken and they lose. I'd much rather play a team like the LA Kings or the Vancouver Canucks in the first round who maybe don't have, I shouldn't say the Kings, they got some playoff pedigree in their team, but this, the Blues scare me. They, they definitely scare me. They're, they're my biggest surprise in the Western Conference right now. Everybody knew the Stars and the Avalanche and the Jets have that good players there. The Knights and the Kings are going to be good. The Canucks have that potential. Winning is maybe foreign to them the first little bit of the season, but they they do have some good players. The St. Louis Blues. All right, on the other side of the coin, who should be in? 
You mentioned the wild for some crazy reason. I don't know what you're talking about. It's the Edmonton Oilers. That's the elephant in the room. This team can't quite figure it out. They win a couple. They lose a couple. There's constant turmoil. Everybody's on the block now, according to Ken Holland. Elliot Friedman just released a tweet saying, everybody is on the market. They're trying to figure out the goaltending situation. Everybody's excited because Jack Campbell got a shutout in the AHL. And now he's the answer again. He's back to being the savior. He was the leper everybody wanted to get rid of. He goes down to the AHL. He gets one shutout. Now they've just potentially figured out their whole goaltender situation. Stuart Skinner has been average, below average at best. Everybody's just playing like junk whenever they hit. Isn't that funny? Everybody they put net stinks for the last four or five years. Stuart Skinner had a good run last year for a little bit. That's about it. Jack Campbell, as soon as he put on that jersey, has been atrocious. Absolutely awful. Mike Smith was bad. They haven't had a good solid goalie, I think, since Grant Fear. 30 years. Happy Bullen. Happy Bullen. He was good. I know. And there's other guys who were good. I'm just teasing, Tim. But yeah, they, they have a lot of questions. Can this team... With the best player on the planet, Connor McDavid. I got a lot of flack for saying Dryan Seidel's number two. I might pull back on that just a little bit. I read the comments, and I, I understand the frustration. Maybe Dryan Seidel's not the second best player in the world. He's top ten. They have two of the top ten players in the league. Can they get back into this fight? Can they catch Seattle Kraken? St. Louis boost him? Is there any chance? Or is this team just going to get blown up? No, absolutely. I said it since, you know, all along. Um, they, they're too good not to be a better team than them, than them how they've played. And I, they still have a lot of issues, like you said, the goaltending, the defense, the special teams. There's still some stuff to figure out. But the offense is there, and it, they're just too talented on paper not to win some games. And I don't believe in some of the teams ahead of them. I don't think the Blues are this good. I think they're better than Arizona. I think they're better than uh, a lot of the teams ahead of them. So I feel like they're going to be able to climb and, and string some wins together. It won't always be pretty, and I, and I don't think they're built for the playoffs yet, but I think they could get into a wild card spot for sure. I don't know. How many more games do you give them before you start really panicking? Because they're a well, quarter of the way through. And they, they got 15 in a row. Tim, they, have, they have 15 points. But I think they're like four and two after making the coaching change, something like that. Like they're, they're five and five. Yeah, maybe four and two since the coaching change, but they're, they're, they have 15 points in 20 games. Yeah. That's atrocious. But how many of those were, were Jack Campbell starts? You know? I mean... So that's their goalie. It's not their fault that that's their goalie. You can't... Like, that's who they not are. Not anymore. Yeah. I mean, they uh, the report I read, I think it's probably the same one you read, that Friedman said that ideally they want Campbell to be their guy. Like, the idea is to have him come back and play better. That's, that's their first choice. And if that doesn't work, they're going to have to figure out some trades or something. But they don't really have much roster, roster cap room to spend. So... I don't know what they're going to figure out. Hopefully Skinner is the guy that turns it on. I think he can. He did last year. Um, he's supposed to be the future of their, of their net, but who knows? So you think that's the team out of all these teams in the Western Conference playoffs right now? You got St. Louis and Kraken in the wild card, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. The one team who's going to get in is the Oilers. It's not the Predators. It's not. Gosh, the Western's so bad. It's not the well, Preds. It's not the Coyotes. The Flames are playing competitive hockey of late they're five three and two in their last 10 do you see them maybe making a dent in the playoffs the anaheim ducks maybe the, the west is depressing I, 
It's I so will bad. give a quick shout out to the Preds. They've won five in a row. Forsberg is having a very, very good season. Um, but you look down the, the teams that are out of the playoff mix in the West, and it's like there's one just bright, shining light that stands out among the rest, and it's Edmonton. It's Nashville, Arizona, Calgary, Anaheim, Edmonton, Minnesota, Chicago. One of those teams doesn't belong, and that's the Oilers. So, yeah, I think that it has to be the pick. I'd love to see Arizona go on a little bit of a run and, and push like the Kraken and the Blues out, and maybe those uh, Edmonton and Arizona are the two teams. But I don't think any of the teams in the top three are, are dropping out. I think I think the top six for the Pacific and the Central, um, I think that's probably more or less what it's going to look like. Maybe Winnipeg falls out, but they look good. So I think it's really the Blues and the Kraken. I think it's those two wildcard spots up for grabs. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I think this is going to hold. I think these eight teams will be in it at the end of the year. I don't think anything's going to change in the Western Conference. I think in the Eastern Conference, the Flyers and the Red Wings will be gone. I think the Lightning and the Leafs will jump up the standings. They won't be the wildcard teams. I think the Wings, Flyers are out. I think the Penguins, uh, who's that second team? I don't know, Tim. It's maybe the Capitals. I, it, it pains me to say that, but they're playing some pretty darn good hockey. And I just, I don't, I'm not sold on the Red Wings. The eyes are playing as a failure in my eyes. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to go back on my word just yet. All right. If I were a betting man, I would bet on that. And if I did lose, I'd be okay because I would be using the Give Better app. And I know if I lost, I'd be giving 20, 25% of my losses to charity. Did you know that, Tim? I did. That's how it works. I listen to the show. Do you? Do you list? Do you honestly listen to the show? No, not anymore. I used to, but no. I do. I do. I'm always striving to be better. That, at least one of us is. Okay. Give Better is always striving to be better as well. Go to their app. Tell them we sent you. GiveBetter.app slash DTG. Sign up now. The drawing is tomorrow. Like, it's time. We're going to draw for tickets. It's your last chance to get in for two tickets to an NHL game. You take a quick survey. Even more than that, you're doing a good thing. Everybody gambles nowadays. It's fun. It's fine. No one's judging you. If you do it through Give Better, every time you lose, 25% of your losses go to charity. It's a fantastic system. I don't know why someone didn't come up with it earlier. Give Better has just come up with this beautiful idea. Give them a follow. Sign up through them. It's social, responsible sports gambling. That's all it is. And you get two tickets to any NHL game, any date that you want. Lower bowl. It's, it's a fantastic deal. Go now. Sign up. It's your last chance. The drawing is going to be tomorrow. We will announce the winner, hopefully, next week. we got to circle back with Give Better. There's so many entries. But you can get your name in the hat, right, Tim? That's right. Today. All right. What are we talking about next, Tim? We're gonna do some quick hats, which are quick hits, which are quick hats. Like... Tim's crazy. <laughs> Tim, oh, why don't you wacky. burp, the animal? We're so zany. Yeah, quick hits brought to you by DoorDash. If you need quick delivery, call DoorDash. Use promo code Nation Twenty Five, all caps, for twenty five percent off and free delivery off your first order. Only in Canada. Potentially coming to, soon to the states. They uh, never will. This- you mentioned this already. If you want to get food in the States, you just go get it yourself. You're not getting a deal from us. Never. Uh, Taylor Hall had knee surgery. He's out for the rest of the season. Now, I know you covered the team. Do you feel like they're going to try to go get someone else, a skilled player, just to help Bedard's development? Because I know they're not competing, but does it help him to play with a skilled player on his line? Or do you think this makes them go become sellers and get rid of everyone else? 
Oh, they're definitely not bringing anybody in. There's no way. And I'll, I'll, I'll comment on this because this is this is an issue. Even this situation and the Corey Perry situation, to me, were, were handled really poorly by the Blackhawks. Taylor Hall got injured three games before he was eventually pulled. He played the Tampa Bay Lightning. He got hit by Isamont on the boards. He went down very awkwardly, grabbed his knee right away. I was calling the game. I said, he's done. Like, this is this looks like a severe injury. Leaves the ice, doesn't come back. They win the game. Apparently, he's walking around the locker room. Everybody's happy. He plays the next game. He, not great. He gets hurt the morning skate or an off day the next day. Was there something there? Was there a partial tear? Then he t- tore it eventually the whole way that no one picked up. I think that's what happened. I think they dropped the ball on Taylor Hall. You don't just tear your ACL. Like you, you, I don't know. That that smells fishy to me. The Corey Perry situation is interesting. We were talking before the show. I'm privy to information I can't really say. But I will say this. The Hawks are really mishandling this situation as well. When there's a player who's out and you're not giving a reason why, what happens? You assume the worst. You start to speculate. Did he do this? Did he do this? The the rumor mill is swirling. And people are coming up with some pretty zany accusations. And if I'm the GM of the Hawks, I want to just calm the storm. I, I want to, like, just take care of it. If, if it's nothing big, why wouldn't you just say it? Corey Perry's agent has came has come out and said, no, he's, he's dealing with family issues. Okay, if that's the case, why doesn't Chicago just say something? Something happened to his family. He had to go home and take care of business. Just that. You don't have to say what. It could be something really bad. But just say he's dealing with something at home. Don't leave it so ambiguous and open-ended saying we're he's not he's not with the team right now. Organizational decision. Okay, well what does that mean? Everybody's mind jumps to something terrible. Right? I, I just don't know. I, I think if it's nothing, say it. Otherwise, you're really just leaving Corey Perry hanging in the wind here by just not saying anything. So it's it's just I just think it's a bad look for the Hawks. So, I don't know. Like, what did you initially thought? You thought he was getting traded. I did. And then when that didn't happen, your mind goes to negative stuff, right? Yeah, like you said, everyone's coming up with these rumors and ideas and speculating. And they, you know, when people have only bits of information, they kind of often try to fill in the gaps with just the worst things you can imagine. Um, and Corey Perry is not someone who's made headlines for any of the wrong reasons over the years. He played a long time and has managed to stay out of trouble. So this is not anything like what we've heard from him before or about him, I should say. And with the Blackhawks in particular, this organization has had issues with transparency and disclosing information that they should have. That goes back many years. And this is supposed to be like turning over a new leaf. Um, and they're being very hush-hush in a very strange way. Because obviously, if it's, it, whatever's going on is, is deeply personal, private, none of our business. We don't need to know all the details, like you said. But you share a little bit of something just to like quell the storm yeah. and just put our minds at ease or at least... Just just dispel any rumors or myths or whatever. Just say enough to get people to stop poking around at it. And it's weird that they're not, especially when they've made such a commitment to being transparent um, based on things that have happened before. So, yeah, really strangely handled. I agree. Yeah, not good. Anyways, what else, Tim? Quick hits. Yeah, so next quick hit here. This Did you see this this slash to the face? This just did. egregious, two-handed, could have killed the guy. To the, the face? He could have it hit his, glanced him. off his helmet. He almost took his head off. 
And I want to know what you think of the Truba thing, only getting a $5,000 fine. I think you should have got a penalty on the play, a four-minute double minor. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a suspension. Like, it, it, it was a reaction to his stick being held, and he swung it around. Yeah, it's a bad play. He hits him in the back of the head with his helmet. He should have got four minutes. Don't you think a two-handed swing to the head should be worthy of a suspension? I think the intent has to be there, and I think the... He didn't hit him that hard. I know what you're trying to do. He, I don't think he hit him that hard. If you watch the replay, Frederick's head doesn't even really move. He glances it off the back top of his head. I'm surprised he didn't get a penalty. That was shocking to me. $5,000 fine. These guys wiped their butt with $5,000. Are you kidding me? Jacob Truba? He's like, oh. Yeah, someone tweeted out, like, for a person making 50 grand, this is the equivalent of, like, a $35 fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is nothing. Nothing. So, I don't know. The the, the NHL sometimes, I just scratch my head. And then they give the Bruins a double minor a couple shifts later. Miller picks up a a penalty, which was just terrible. So, uh, I don't know. The, the, The fix was in for the Bruins on that game. Well, they had two uh, matinees over the weekend, and they lost both of them. But I'm not really worried because, first of all, the Bruins have always been bad in the Saturday and Sunday afternoon games. It's been like that for a decade. And the Red Wings also always have their number. And so I just I'm not I'm not worrying about that. Um, Oh, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. A couple streaks here. We talked about this already. The Predators have won five straight. Really big for them. The Wild have lost seven straight, if you include overtime losses. Which makes it crazy why you think they're good. I don't think they're good. I'm surprised they're this bad. That's, that's what I'm saying. Um, and the Ducks have Living lost in the six past. straight, including uh, their big loss last night where they lost 7-2, to two, I think, to the Oilers, something like that, um, which is crazy. But the last thing I want to touch on is doing some digging into some stats this morning. Brandon Hagel has more five-on-five points than everyone in the league except for Sidney Crosby and Jane Getzel. Everyone wow. else has there's a couple of guys he's tied with and everyone else is below him. And he does that while playing, depending on the night, second or third line. He can be on a scoring line. He can be on a checking line. He can be on the power play. He can kill penalties. And he's doing it for one and a half million dollars this year. His contract doesn't kick in until next year, which I think is six and a half for eight years, um, which he's going to be worth. He's only 24, I think, 24 or 27. I forget. I know there's a big difference, but one of those numbers are in my head. But he's still pretty young, and he's doing very, very well. So I just, we love Brandon Hagel on the show. I wanted to just point that out. Yeah, he's 25. 25. But um, he, he's, he has been playing with Kucherov and Point for a little bit. So there's a bump there. But what a deal, Julian Brisebois. Looking like a genius right now. Everybody thought he was crazy when he gets this guy for two first-rounders. What? Brandon Hagel, two first-rounders? Looking pretty solid right now. This guy's got an eye for talent. I'm telling you what. I don't know if you know about this guy, Tim. He's good. He's a good GM. Maybe he was the one who was putting the team together, and Eiserman was just drinking cocktails up in the press box, not doing anything. And Breezebaugh was the one doing heavy lifting, doing the scouting, doing the, the books, you know what I mean? And Eiserman just took all the credit. I think that's what was happening. I don't know why I've turned into an Eiserman hater. I love the guy. Grew up loving him. I, just, I think if, just, what happens is you make, takes an, you, places. you make an opinion, uh, whether it's right or wrong, and people get mad and disagree with you. And no matter what it is, your instinct is to believe it even harder, just to piss people off, even if you don't even believe it that much. I do believe the Iser plan sucks, though. <laughs> okay. All right. 
I do. When you look at their team, what are they? I don't want to get into it. But yeah, good for Brandon Hagel. Yowza. What a deal that's going to be in seven years if he's still clipping along at 80 points a year. At 32 years old. Crazy. Unbelievable. All right, everybody. It's crazy that we're, we've missed you guys this much. I appreciate you, your support. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Maybe we'll have an interview. Yeah, I'm working on Ryan Graves, a uh, friend of the show. Was with, he was with the Penguins now. I'm trying to work out his schedule. He's traveling a little bit this week, but I'm going back and forth with him. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.